Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. We're here recording the second podcast for the Fans First Sports Network. It's an awesome place to be, and I love this network. Things have been great so far. I hope you like the logo made by David Stefano. I absolutely love that thing. It looks super sleek. It was a brainchild between the two of us, and I couldn't be happier with the way it came out, so I hope you like that. And then I hope you like the modification to the title that no longer has Gangrene Nation in it, but also to kind of the podcast format. I was... uh, Originally calling them micro-episodes, but given the length of Wednesday's podcast, I guess it wasn't really a micro-episode. It was more of like a regular-length podcast for a normal person. It just didn't rant on for an hour and 20 minutes like my usual ones, which was the goal, but not as small as I wanted it to be. I wanted to split basically one normal This Is The Jet Life episode into two. So if you didn't hear it already, on Wednesday I recorded and posted the free agency recap of the signings, the transactions, the trades the Jets have made. In, since uh, free agency began on the 13th, and since our last podcast. And then I pushed till today the Aaron Rodgers news, the rumors, and more of like the hypotheticals around the Jets. Push this one back because everything's up in the air. And to me, Aaron Rodgers is the big news, and everyone wants to hear about Aaron Rodgers. And there's clickbait everywhere for let's tune in and hear what's going on with Aaron Rodgers and get your views on Rodgers. Talking this, will the Jets be the best team and all this stuff? It's like, listen, we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers if we get Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely. But nothing is really different today than it was when we talked about Aaron Rodgers on the podcast in March, when it was a free agency preview, and it was like, all right, who are the quarterbacks that I want most? Aaron Rodgers was number one, Lamar Jackson, and then going down the list, I wanted Ryan Tannehill, and none of that changes. What we'd have to give up for Aaron Rodgers doesn't change, that you have to trade for him, the contract that he has, nothing's changed. It's just he's still the target, more guys have disappeared, and now he says he wants to play here, so it's more likely that it's going to happen, but... Nothing has happened, which is why I don't get swept away in the rumors and the news. I try to keep this analytical and informative, and uh, I didn't want to cash in on the the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes that everyone else was. So we're going to talk about it a little bit today, and more of like the implications if it happens, and then some other rumors and targets and and what the Jets could potentially be doing upcoming. But uh, before I begin, I need to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. Because the schedule of the show is being tinkered with, um, I think it's helpful to subscribe to the show. I don't have an exact date of when the next podcast is going to come. I didn't have an exact date for these two. It just kind of happened. And uh, during the regular season, I still plan on doing every Tuesday for the recaps and reviews. But in the offseason specifically, subscriptions can help. And then rating and reviewing as I'm going through a transitionary period to Fans First Sports Network. I'd love them to think I'm cool especially better than the Patriots podcast they have that uh, has pretty good ratings and reviews itself. You know, give the Jets a little love, show them that, you know, this is the Jet Life is where it's at. Forget the Patriots, forget the Steelers, Bills, and the other rivals that have been ruining our hopes and dreams. This is a chance for us to win. So follow me on Twitter, at Jets underscore Dan as well. And, yeah, you're listening to it on the Fans First Sports Network now, so enjoy that. Let's get into... The big news, and it's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has been the talking point of New York Jets fans for 
sometime now. Way before he came out of the darkness, we were talking about it. He went into the dark darkness, we were talking about it. We were waiting to see what he would say. Did he want to play football? Was he retiring or not? He goes on Pat McAfee. What's he going to say there? The big news was he said his intentions are to play for the New York Jets. And that was awesome because what that meant was he's not going to retire and he's not too embarrassed or proud or anything to come play for New York. And I think secretly that's what we all were worried about. Like what if he's like, yo, I'll play, but not for the Jets, dude. Are you kidding me? Not that franchise. That was a realistic scenario that we have dodged. That embarrassment is gone. He said he would play here. That's a win in itself. He says he went into the darkness 90% retired, which means he may not be as into football as he may have been at age 31, 32. He's right now at the point where he could play, maybe not. Tom Brady got to this point, kind of like shuffling back and forth. He's retired right now. Will he come back? I don't know. But Aaron Rodgers is not at a place where he's 100% into football. The chip on his shoulder being built right now through the Packers and everything they're doing and Jordan Love and stuff, coming to New York and, and having a chance to show that he still can play and ball out could be enough to keep him really into it for this year. But if things don't go really well this year, or he gets injured, or he's not having fun or something, there's a scenario that he doesn't play a second year with the Jets. It could just be the one. But we know the Packers are ready to move on to Jordan Love. They've said that. They We know that they can't afford Aaron Rodgers' massive contract. We know that for them to move forward with Jordan Love, they can't have Aaron Rodgers in the room or at training camp and stuff. And if he doesn't retire, they have to pay him that money. And if he says he wants to play right now, they have to find a way to get rid of him. Now, he's 39 years old. He's got that big, confusing contract that has some options and a June 1st date that could change things. But they need to get rid of it because they can't afford to have either version of that contract on their roster. And even if they trade him to the Jets, they may have to eat some of that contract as well to make it more bearable for us. But Aaron Rodgers coming here would be the greatest thing that has really ever happened in off-seasons for the New York Jets. We were talking big, you know, we got Darrell Rebus back. That was huge. We signed Le'Veon Bell. That seemed like the greatest thing in the world. Brett Favre was a big deal for sure. Vinny Testaverde. There's been some good ones. But to add Aaron Rodgers, who's one of the best quarterbacks any of us have ever seen play, whether you like the guy or not, there's no question he's one of the best quarterbacks you've ever seen play. And he's coming off of, in the last three years, he's won two MVPs. Both of those with Nathaniel Hackett, who is currently our offensive coordinator. There are so many reasons to think that with this team that has an awesome defense the Jets have built, the greatest culture in sports that we're building, the offensive weapons, the rookie of the year, the defensive rookie of the year, often, all this excitement that we have around this team, and then you could potentially add in an Aaron Rodgers, who even at 80% is still by far the best quarterback the Jets have ever had since Joe Namath, and still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But it's going to be a fun... You can't guarantee Super Bowl. You can't guarantee an AFC championship game. But you can guarantee that if Aaron Rodgers plays a healthy season and is interested in football the whole time, it's going to be a very, very fun ride. Think the Ryan Fitzpatrick season on steroids. Because instead of this being a bunch of, you know, patched-in Chris Ivories and... Eric Deckers and Brandon Marshalls that are coming towards the end of their careers, but we purchased them and we're trying to do some good stuff. This is a bunch of homegrown guys that are like team first, young kids who have bought into the system. And then to add Aaron Rodgers, I mean, it could be absolutely amazing as the Patriots are currently in their darkest point. They've been in years. What an awesome thing it could be to me. It's been the number one option for the jets. The number one thing that I've wanted for the jets. He's been my 
number one quarterback option. I'm not saying this now because he's potentially coming to us. It always was him for me. But what's the holdup? Why are we here a month into this whole thing or, or three weeks, whatever it is? Time is gone at this point as we're trying to figure this whole thing out. Why are we waiting here? Essentially, because of the ambiguity around Aaron Rodgers and his mental state and whether or not he'll play just this year, whether or not he'll play two years, could it even be three years? Is that possible? Because the Jets don't know what they're getting out of him, if it's just a rental for a year or a longer-term thing where they're getting two or more, the Jets don't want to give guaranteed picks and and terms. They want conditional terms to the Packers. They want to be able to say, if Aaron Rodgers plays just one year, we'll give you a third-round pick. If Aaron Rodgers plays two years, we'll give you a second. If he plays three years, we'll give you a first. Something along those lines. That's not exactly it, but the Jets don't want to be stuck giving money like he's going to play here for two, three years if he only plays one. And the Packers don't want to accept stuff as if the guy's only going to play one year because it's Aaron Rodgers. Now, the Packers are digging their heels in here. One, because obviously they want to get as much value as they can. Two, it is Aaron Rodgers, so he should be worth something in their mind, right? Three, the optics of just winning a trade, not being fleeced, having the fan base go, you just traded Aaron Rodgers for this, and then creating a public outcry, and that gets back to your president or your your board of directors, whatever the Packers have over there in, in Lambeau. And then there's all this like stuff towards Gutekunst, and he could, so you don't want to create that either, where it looks like you just came out on the bad end of a business deal. So he's got to do it optically. But then lastly, I think the Packers don't want to have conditional terms that the Jets do want to have because they want to get away from this Aaron Rodgers thing. The Jets would be saying basically like, if Aaron Rodgers plays two years, you get this pick. But that would mean that we wouldn't find out what pick they're getting for another full year. Which means that essentially, even though Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be on the Packers anymore, he'd be on the Jets, they would still be in a state of unknowing regarding their draft and their future assets and everything, all hinging on an Aaron Rodgers' decision of whether or not he would retire or not. He says, I'm going to retire, and they get a third-round pick. Or he goes, you know what, I'm going to play another year, and now it's a second, and still their life is tied around Aaron Rodgers, and they can't just separate entirely, which is what I think they want to do. I think ultimately they want to get as much as they possibly can, separate and step away and be done with it. The Jets, for obvious reasons, Joe Douglas doesn't want to be fleeced, right? He's working on fleecing the Packers. That's his job right now. The Packers are trying not to get fleeced. That's their job right now. If you're asking me, I would, in some respects, just bite the bullet this year. I wouldn't trade the first-round pick, but would I trade both seconds this year? I think I probably would. I would rather give up picks this year than future picks, which is kind of contrary to what a lot of other people think. But in my opinion, we know that Aaron Rodgers, I mean, we can ask him if he wants to play three years, four years, but I'm sure he's not going to give us a great answer. Um, And I don't think he would be as disrespected if we drafted a quarterback with him under contract as he was when they drafted Jordan Love because he was so much younger then, had so much more time left. Um, So if we told him, like, hey, we want you to be the quarterback, we want you to develop Zach Wilson, and we're also going to draft another quarterback while you're here. Um, and then that guy won't play for a few years. He'll sit behind you, learn from you. You can still be the quarterback for two more years, kind of like a Jordan Love situation, but he's going to be you know, 43 when that ends in all that perfect world and everything. And you get another rookie quarterback that can sit behind Aaron Rodgers and learn if Zach Wilson isn't the guy. And I would want to do that next year because the quarterback class next year is so much better. And I don't really like the options this year, any of them. Next year, 
There are a lot that I really like already. Caleb Williams being one, Michael Penix being another. There are so many more. There's like 10 legit guys that right now, if I'm looking at them, I'm like, man, I would be pretty happy bringing that guy in. But that's next year. And I want to have our picks available for that. Because what if Aaron Rodgers doesn't come here? Or what if Aaron Rodgers plays one year and then retires? We need to have another guy. I want to be able to pivot to something, another quarterback. Next year's class makes sense. But to do that, to get a good quarterback in next year's class, we need as many picks as possible. So if I could load up on next year and get Aaron Rodgers, that's what I'd like to do. We will see what uh, Joe Douglas elects to do. If Aaron Rodgers comes here, there's going to be a lot of other stuff that happens, right? Aaron Rodgers will be here, and then we can start queuing in his band of merry men. He can start saying, not a wish list or a demand list of players that he wants here, but some guys that he would recommend the Jets get that he plays really well with that he think could be a great piece to the Nathaniel Hackett-Aaron Rodgers system, and they probably would come on somewhat team-friendly deals. I think when you look at a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., coming to the New York Jets, or an Ezekiel Elliott potentially coming to the Jets, or Calais Campbell, right? These guys that have been rumored, Calais Campbell has already signed with the Falcons. But when you look at these big-name guys that could come here on, like, a late-in-their-career type of season deal, I think having Aaron Rodgers under contract is going to make it a lot more likely. And I think these guys not knowing, like, what if you don't get Rodgers and I'm playing one of the last years of my career with Zach Wilson at quarterback and winning five games? Like, I don't want to do that get Aaron Rodgers, and then we'll talk, but I don't have time to wait, so I'm going to sign elsewhere. I think that's what's been happening. But when Aaron Rodgers signs here, I expect the Jets to have a little bit more opportunity and favor with the teams in trying to get veteran free agents here. So it might be a guy like Randall Cobb or Mercedes Lewis, Jake Kumaro or Razul Douglas, all former Packers, all guys that have great relationships with Aaron Rodgers. Could be one of them. Or it could be the next Calais Campbell. You know, uh, Indomitian Sue, who's like, oh, I'd like to be a part of that run. Or bring in a guy like Ezekiel Elliott or Odell Beckham Jr., who are like, man, Rodgers is there. I'd like to be a part of that run. So I think that it's very possible the Jets will get more talent after the Aaron Rodgers deal. It's just a matter of who's still available. Does Aaron Rodgers want anybody specifically? When does this whole thing happen? Corey Davis is one of the guys on the Jets' side that if we get Aaron Rodgers, he looks like a potential trade candidate as uh, he's basically got an $11 million deal, not guaranteed. The fact that he hasn't restructured is interesting, but I think that the Jets are waiting to figure out the Aaron Rodgers contract and deal and everything, whether or not Corey Davis goes there. And then from there, if they can get Odell Beckham Jr. and what the deal would be, and if it doesn't work out, you have Corey Davis as your backup option. So I think that's why they're not like rushing to move Corey. They haven't restructured him yet. They want to make sure that they have all of their options and things available. If they do need to cut him, if they get a uh, Oda Beckham Jr. or something and Corey Davis isn't part of the trade to the Packers, there's a lot of scenarios for Corey Davis where he isn't on this team. But as of right now, he is. And he's a good player. I like him as much as I like Alan Lazard. He was a team captain for us at one point. And if he's here, part of that room with Garrett Wilson... Alan Lazard, himself, Nicole Hardman. I'm going to be very pleased with that room. Denzel Mims in there. I'm going to like what we have, and uh, if we don't have Corey Davis, I think it's going to be a little bit more important for the Jets to go out and find a wide receiver like OBJ or in the draft. So you're just kind of emptying, making a hole, and then filling it. We'll see what happens. But if Aaron Rodgers doesn't come here, that's a whole other ballgame. And to me... You know what my honest prediction towards Aaron Rodgers? 
I'd say 70% chance he's here, 30% chance he's not, which is probably worse than you would want to hear. But in my mind, it's never guaranteed with Rodgers because he's so temperamental with his thinking, and there's so much that goes on with trading a legend like that and the optics, and eventually somebody's just like, you know what, fuck it, we're not doing this. But Aaron Rodgers is worth the gamble to me. Even only having a 70% chance, even if it's 60% chance, that you're going to get Aaron Rodgers and add him into this Jets team, I would take that 10 times out of 10. The other options that we had were either mediocre, like Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo, and being tied to one of those guys for like three, four years. Ew. Or a bridge quarterback like Ryan Tannehill, Andy Dalton, Jacoby Brissett, which would be palatable for me for a season, but that just means now you're looking to pivot to a rookie quarterback in next year's draft, and it doesn't add a lot of spice for this year. This is like getting the ultimate bridge quarterback that is just the coolest, greatest, most talented arm talent ball thrower we've ever seen. Like, man, adding him in would be something else. So I think it's worth going after him. And then say the Jets strike out and the Packers say, we're not doing this, we're not trading, and Aaron Rodgers is like, this is annoying, I'm retiring. The Jets can then go after Lamar Jackson and offer two first-round picks to get Lamar Jackson, and I think that makes a lot of sense. The Jets will not pursue Lamar Jackson right now during this Aaron Rodgers thing. One, because they don't want to send mixed signals to Aaron Rodgers. They don't want to piss him off. Two, because if the Jets offer the two first-round picks in like a $45 million deal to Lamar Jackson, the Ravens can still match it, and they can say, you know what, we're going to match that deal. Jets, you don't get him. They will always have last word, no matter what, in retaining Lamar Jackson. So you don't want to risk anything with Aaron Rodgers falling through because to get Lamar Jackson from the Ravens will cost more. And you're probably talking like a 40-60 chance or 30-70 chance. Aaron Rodgers is definitely the one to focus on right now. You can always pivot to Lamar Jackson if you have to later on. So that is kind of the news and rumors around Aaron Rodgers. I hope it works out. I'm still cautiously optimistic. I do think that it will get done, but I'm not positive it will, and I don't know when it will, and I'm kind of going to be crawling under my skin until it happens just because I want him so bad. That's one side. But I could live without having him on this roster. I just really like the optics and everything around this team with the players in the locker room, with the coaches and the media and everything that'll happen if the Jets don't get him and he retires or somehow goes somewhere else. Just the negative backlash around the whole franchise, which is something that I don't want to be a part of at all. That scares me. And we got to find a way to get Aaron Rodgers here. But Joe Douglas trying to be the fleece king, trying to make sure he gets the guy paying pennies on the dollar. Next order of business is talking other free agent options. It's not just Aaron Rodgers that we need to bring into this team. We also need, for example, a center. We don't currently have a center under contract that isn't named Wes Schweitzer or Tristan Colon. And those two players we don't want starting to open the season. The number one guy we can go after, Ben Jones, he's 33 years old. Right, He's played 11 years in the NFL. The first four were in Houston. The last seven were in Tennessee. But this guy was a pro bowler. He's a heart and soul dude. Mike Vrabel loved him to death. There's videos of him like crying, hugging him in the hallway like, man, you mean everything to this team? You have no idea how proud I am. There's a very real relationship. And the Jets' new offensive line coach and passing game coordinator were both in Tennessee and have worked with 
this legend, Ben Jones, who's like a, you know, a really quiet, unknown Jason Kelsey type of guy that we could bring in here and play really good veteran center. I think that'd be a really nice thing to have. If you can't get him, I'm not opposed to bringing Connor McGovern back. I think that he was a, a logical re-sign candidate because he was pretty good at center, but I could see why Joe Douglas would say maybe he could improve that position or get a better center in there, maybe somebody who's a little bit more of a mauler. Not that in any sense McGovern was bad, but he wasn't maybe value-add enough. He wasn't a net positive pushing that offensive line in the running game the way that Joe Douglas would want, and so maybe in his efforts of building a massive trench offensive line that he wants, he thinks he can upgrade. Maybe that's the hesitancy towards bringing Connor McGovern back, but I hope that uh, one of those two guys, a veteran or a really, really high draft pick, goes to center. Super important for us. The other position that's really important to me to add is interior defensive line because you got Quinn and Williams, who's a beast. You have Solomon Thomas in there for depth, who was like the third or fourth interior defensive lineman in a rotation last year. But you lose Sheldon Rankins. You lose Nathan Shepard. Sheldon Rankins was good. He could start alongside Quinn and Williams. You don't have that guy. And you don't have your depth there in a Nathan Shepard. We no longer have Jonathan Marshall. So one way or another, we know that we have to bring people in for that rotation. And I don't think you want it to be Quinn and Williams, Solomon Thomas, and then two people worse than Solomon Thomas. You want to find one of those guys at least ahead of Solomon Thomas in the depth chart. And you could go in the draft. There are some good defensive tackles in this draft. But then, you know, what do you have to do? Do you have to give a pick in the first round, second round? That is an opportunity cost for another position. I think Joe Douglas would be wise to try to bring one of those depth pieces in now and then maybe bring another player in for backup duty or a fringe guy. At least bring a solid pro and another Solomon Thomas type of guy in to that room right now so it's not a massive need on draft day. And to me, the two guys I look at, Chris Wormley is the first. 29 years old, coming from Pittsburgh, also played with the Ravens. Um, he's kind of like a defensive end, defensive tackle hybrid, which isn't exactly what we need. We kind of need a defensive tackle, but the Jets need a defensive tackle to play a 4-3 that rushes the passer but doesn't become a liability in the run game because we need somebody that can do first down and second down. John Franklin Myers can play defensive tackle on third down and rush the passer. But the Jets don't want to just bring in a big Damon Harrison-level nose tackle, big fat guy to stand in there and just clog the middle. They're not looking for that anchor of the defense. They're looking more for, like, a powerful run-stopping pass rush, like a Quinnen Williams or a Sheldon Rankins was kind of like that as well. Chris Wormley is kind of a defensive end, could play some defensive tackle. He's pretty big overall, and I think that he could go into that role, and he's a solid player, 29 years old. I think he'd be a good mix. Um, Matt Ioannidis is very similar as well. He's played with the Commanders. Uh, he played with the Commanders for the first six years of his career. Panthers last year. He's also 29 years old. He's a little bit meatier, a little shorter and a little fatter than Wormley, so maybe a little bit more built for the 4-3 defensive tackle position. He's another guy that, you know, this is becoming a premium position. If you see the contract that Nathan Shepard got and Sheldon Rankins, and some of these defensive tackles around the league. It's becoming a premium position. It's very hard to find these athletic pass-rushing run-stoppers like a Quinn and Williams or an Aaron Donald. But now that teams are getting them, it's like, wow, this team is kind of running through that. The Jets' defense is so powerful because of Quinn and Williams and what he can do. And the Rams, so powerful because of Aaron Donald. 
people are looking for this, and it's becoming a focus around the league. And you either have it or you don't. And if you don't have it, you got to pay for it or draft high there. Or you don't have it, and you're just a liability in the run game. You can't get a pass rush there. Guys are rolling out. They're comfortable in the pocket. It could be a nightmare. So those two guys, Chris Wormley, Matt Ioannidis, two guys that I'm definitely looking at. And then uh, a safety that I like to potentially play free safety. I know we added Chuck Clark. But when you look at Chuck Clark, kind of a natural strong safety. Jordan Whitehead, a natural strong safety. The free safety guys that we have that make more sense in that position if the Jets just go kind of you know, natural with what the guy's abilities are. You would have Ashton Davis or Tony Adams. Lamar Joyner, LaMarcus Joyner is gone. He's a free agent still, so we could bring him back. But I like John Johnson the third. He's 28 years old. He was really, really good for the Rams a few years ago. And he was a guy that when he was a free agent, I really wanted the Jets to bring in. But he went to the Browns. Didn't do as well there with the Browns as he had earlier in his career, but he's only 28 years old. He's a true free safety, a real center fielder, the guy can make plays, and he would be a nice pairing to the other safeties that we have. So we'll see if we can get him for a decent deal. He'd be a guy that I'd be excited to get. These are kind of like wish list guys. It's very likely the Jets just sign under the radar, you know, Tristan Cologne type of guys, people that Adam Pankies, guys that will come into training camp, maybe will get cut. They're only worth $250,000, but they're there in a pinch, and the Jets will continue to look for guys, get Aaron Rodgers, bring people in with leverage from that, and then draft more good players. That's most likely... But if we could get any of Ben Jones, Chris Wormley, Matt Ioannidis, John Johnson, that's like, oh, hell yeah, we're still going for big name, big-time talent guys. Looking at uh, just kind of the positions in need for the Jets right now, um, I had my list pre-free agency. So just kind of talking about what we've done there so far. This is from my pre-free agency list. Number one, I had the number one need being quarterback. It's still Zach Wilson and Chris Trevler. Hopefully we get Aaron Rodgers. That's still the number one need. Number two need was center. We had none. We now have Wes Schweitzer and Tristan Cologne. You look at tackle, we've got Dwayne Brown, Mekhi Becton, Max Mitchell. We haven't added anybody there. Interior defensive line, we got Quinn and Williams already. We brought back Solomon Thomas but didn't bring anybody else back. We need four guys there. We didn't have a kicker. That was our fifth biggest need. We added Greg Zerline, so let's take that off the list. Linebacker was big because we only had C.J. Mosley, Jamie and Sherwood, and Hamza Nasraldine. We bring back Quincy Williams. Chuck Clark could be kind of a hybrid type of guy, and we'll see what uh, happens with Quan Alexander and in the draft. Safety, we had Jordan Whitehead, Tony Adams, and Ashton Davis. That was our seventh biggest need. We had in Chuck Clark, so he's not the natural free safety that we need, but he's a really nice piece to that room. Number eight need was offensive guard because even though we had Elijah Vera Tucker and Lakin Tomlinson, our two starters, we needed to replace like a Dan Feeney and a Nate Herbig. We did that with Wes Schweitzer and Tristan Colon. I still think we need a, ideally like a center, a really good center drafted that can develop and maybe play guard as well. Another flexible player to replace Tristan Colon. And then when Wes Schweitzer's not here anymore, to be a more long-term answer. But uh, we'll see what they do there. That would have to be in the draft, I think, at this point. Center would still be addressed, but when you're talking about a guard. Defensive end, I had that as number nine and all depending on Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers. At this point in time, John Franklin Myers has restructured, so he will be here. Carl Lawson has not restructured and doesn't have a lot of guaranteed money with a big contract, so whether or not he gets cut, restructured, or as part of the Aaron Rodgers trade, I'm not sure. But Robert Sala has said things like, 
as long as I'm on this team, Carl Lawson will be here. He'll be here playing for the Jets as long as he can play football because he's that type of guy. Can't find another Carl Lawson. So very possible they just aren't restructuring him because he's worth $15 million and they want to keep him. The number 10 need I had was uh, wide receiver. At that point, we had Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, and Braxton Berrios. Since then, we've replaced Elijah Moore and Braxton Berrios with Alan Lazard and Nicole Hardman, and Corey Davis, it remains to be seen what happens with him. I still kind of like hope that he's here, because I like the guy, but something tells me it's very possible his time is coming to an end. And then the number 11 need was running back. We had Michael Carter, Brace Hall, and Bam Knight. Since then, the Jets have brought back Ty Johnson. So when you update those positions in need, number one is still quarterback. That was the number one need before. We've added nobody. we got to do that. Same thing at center. That's the number two need still. Even though we have Wes Schweitzer and Tristan Colon who can play center, in my mind, we don't have a starting center on our roster, and it's the only position that we don't really have a starter for. Interior defensive line, that's our number three need still. Um, I actually moved to the head of tackle because it's funny. We only added Solomon Thomas. But I have it as a bigger need now because we know we need rotational guys in that interior defensive line. Quinnen and Solomon's not going to cut it. But as time has gone on, and I've been seeing Makai Becton on social media, working out the way he looks, the attitude that he has, I have more confidence in Makai Becton to play good offensive tackle for the Jets this year than I've had since his rookie year. I didn't have this feeling last year, and I know he was like out of shape and then in shape and working hard, but it was like kind of hard to tell where his priorities were. We knew he was on social media a lot, gaming a lot. We knew he was getting bigger. But right now, as far as I can tell, I don't know if it's just optics or if it's his life now, he is working his ass off to get in shape. And you can't get as trim and cut as he's gotten in those pictures if you're injured. you got to be feeling really, really good to do the workouts that he's doing. And he's been doing them for the last month or more. So I think he's in a really good place physically. And I have really high expectations for Mekhi Becton actually this year, which I'm really, really excited about. Um, Dwayne Brown and Max Mitchell, the other two guys there. I have that as my number four need because I'm starting to think uh, Makai's the guy. Number five, linebacker. The other starter, if you're running a traditional 4-3 and you have three linebackers in there, which, you know, a lot of times it's Michael Carter. You're not even going to have three linebackers in there on all plays. But if you do, C.J. Mosley, Quincy Williams, we don't have Quan. I'm hesitant to put in a Hamza Nasraldeen or a Jamie and Sherwood. We don't have Marcel Harris. We'll see what Chuck Clark does, um, but I still think that's a need. Number six, safety, because that free safety position, it's just we don't have that center fielder. And then my number seven need now is running back, which originally was at the very bottom of the list, and then we bring back Ty Johnson, and now I've moved it back onto the list at number seven, which is interesting. But I guess it's because I go back and forth on Brees Hall, I think that he's incredible. I think that, in my mind, he is the Adrian Peterson, Dalvin Cook, Jamal Charles type of guy who can have an injury like this, an ACL, come back 10 months later and be the best he's ever been. I think he's young enough, good enough. I think that when you're in that top 1% of skill, the rules don't apply to you the same. Tom Brady gets to play longer. Kobe Bryant gets to play longer. Aaron Rodgers, Yammer Yager. The rules don't apply to them. Everyone else breaks down at 38, but the very, very best are built different, and I think Brees Hall is that. But there's a scenario where he's not, so I go back and forth. It's like, man, he could be Saquon Barkley. It could take him two months. It could take him 
you know, a full year before he's really back to like 100%. And my dad's kind of in that camp of, you know, expect him not to play the first month of football. And then when he does come back this year, expect him to be 80%, 70%, and then next year to be the year that he's really back. And if that's the case, like, so be it. He's still going to be a great player one day as long as he stays healthy. But I still, I don't know. I guess I'd be worried that Brees Hall isn't available right away. And Michael Carter is kind of where he was last year. And it's Bam Knight and Ty Johnson. And maybe I'd like to add a little bit more meat, at least to like the preseason roster. Another uh, another decent type of player that we can have in there. Maybe push Bam Knight or Ty Johnson off the roster. And we can see what happens in preseason and training camp and see where Brees Hall is. And if he's trending well, you know, we don't need one of these guys. And if he's not trending well, we may. So running back, I'd like to have a little bit more insurance there, I think. Talent insurance, not another Ty Johnson, a guy that's a step above that. So that is my top seven. Basically all I've got for this podcast, aside from this week's father time, which I've been saving for the end because I give my dad, as you know, complete creative freedom on the father times. I say, just write whatever's on your mind. It doesn't matter. I'll incorporate it into the podcast. But uh, he decided to kind of aim towards the draft and some of the holes in the Jets roster, which makes sense with the holes that we have on this team and the targets and stuff that we're going after. But we're going to do a a little bit more draft talk coming up. I'm going to do a pre-draft podcast in uh, a couple weeks. The draft is the 27th, so it's going to have to be before that. But this is this week's father time. This is what's on my dad's mind regarding the Jets right now. It's not Aaron Rodgers. It's not Alan Lazard or anything like that. This is called Waffles Anyone by David Burnham. Here we go. Robert Sala's a defensive head coach who wants to endlessly reinforce the defensive front, and the Jets need a defensive tackle to fill the spot for Sheldon Rankins. It's all about the pass rush, so unfortunately, a run stuff on first downs and short yardage situations is off the table. There is a chance the 13th pick could be Kalijah Kansi from Pittsburgh, who's Aaron Donald 2.0, mostly because of position and the school that they attended. The final decision, though, is in the hands of Joe Douglas, and J.D. likes offensive linemen, and that's where I believe our first-round pick will be spent. Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, and Peter Skaronsky are the candidates for the Jets' O-line at 13. Paris Johnson from Ohio State is a very good player with long arms and moves well enough for his own and man-blocking schemes. He's going to be a good tackle for a long time. Broderick Jones is a bit more athletic and to me looks like DeBrickashaw Ferguson in his movement and build. I really like the athleticism and his length, but the knock is that he doesn't have much game experience. It does present a bit of risk, but I would take him. He's going to be good. But do these two wait their turn? Wait for Beckton or Dwayne Brown to get injured? Maybe wait until next year? I'm not so sure. This is a real dilemma. Does JD sit a first-round draftee? These top picks have to play. The interesting fit to me is Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern. He's played every position on the offensive line with great success. His arms are shorter than Johnson and Jones, 32 and a quarter, but is that really so bad? The point here is in the short term he can fill in for tackle in a pinch, like AVT did heroically last year. He's actually built to be an all-pro guard. Oh, and he can play center and is good at it. He does it all and more. If all goes well, he'd likely settle into a top guard with Elijah Vera Tucker at the other guard. But the options and movability present a clear advantage compared to Jones and Johnson. In reality, one or two of these qualified candidates will be drafted before 13, so the choice of any three is not likely. The question is, does an NFL roster have to adapt with ebbs and flows of the season? For better or worse, it does. 
Is versatility the needed ingredient in today's NFL across the roster? I think so more than ever. Go Jets. End scene. So, whoa. We didn't have a father time on Wednesday's episode, but we have one today. And it is a good one. It's talk and draft. It's a little early for us on this podcast. We know that we're talking interior defensive line being a need. He's talking a guy that we could bring there, an Aaron Donald type player. We were talking offensive tackle being a need. He's talking three guys there, starting to bring some names. You know, Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson, Peter Skaronsky, bringing these names into the into the mix a little bit. But I think the really interesting thing here at this point in time is what he's talking about here. And is does an NFL roster have to adapt at the ebbs and flows of a season? Is versatility the needed ingredient in today's NFL across the roster? And he's saying yes, and I think this is a really interesting point, and I completely agree with him. This is kind of the new age NFL and kind of where it's headed. And I think it's a lot of hybrid-type positions. It's those safety linebackers. It's those tight end H-back fullbacks. It's those wide receivers that are outside and slot guys. It's a center that can play guard, right? And how many of these guys has JD prioritized? It's a punt returner who can play slot and be a receiver. It's so many different things wrapped in one player. And you only get 53 men on a roster, and you need to be able to adapt to injuries. And that's one of the biggest things for seasons derailing. You put out a good team, and everything gets derailed because somebody gets injured and goes down, and you're like, shit, we don't have a good backup for them. But if you're able to bring in like these really talented people like an AVT that can play all of these different positions and do it at a high level without really setting you back, and you have a bunch of these guys, and you can withstand all the stuff that happens and allow your team to play at a high level and not be totally hindered and, and handcuffed by someone going down, I think that stuff is so important. And I think it's a really good point from him. And when you're looking at it in this draft, I wouldn't be surprised to see J.D. do a lot of this. He's done it so far. He's taken those safety linebacker hybrids like Hamsa and Jamie and Sherwood. And he's got some of those, you know, Nick Bauden kind of playing fullback and doing some tight end work as well and having these running backs that can catch and run and block and all sorts of different sort of hybrid guys. John Franklin Myers can play outside, can come inside and play there, move dudes around. And I think that... Uh, I really like that. And when you talk about, like, a guy like Peter Skaronsky, it's still early, like I said, for the draft, but the fact that he can do all of those things is super exciting, and I think it's worth a lot. I think you talk about a, a true, great, this guy's a good right tackle. If he stays healthy, things work well, he gets it, he adapts to the NFL, yeah, you could have a good player there. You have a guy who's good at everything. Maybe it doesn't work out at every position, but at least you have a lot more bases covered, a lot more opportunity to position this guy and maybe push him down this hole or train him in that or cross-train him and have him good at everything. I like the flexibility. I like it on game day. I like it on the active 46-man roster. Um, and I think that it's a very cool point that's kind of becoming more and more important in the NFL as we're seeing. And I think we'll see more of it as time goes on. And uh, it was a great father time. Called Waffles, anyone. Kind of funny. So that is this week's Father Time. Thank you, Dad. Much appreciated. That was a good one. And aside from that, we don't really have anything else for this podcast. We basically just need to uh, get ready for what's upcoming. We're going to do a pre-draft episode. Um, the draft is on the 27th, 28th, 29th in Kansas City. I'm not sure if I'm going to do less podcasts, like one big episode, or if I'll do something similar to this, like a 30-minute podcast on offense, 30-minute podcast on defense 
in the draft. Maybe I'll do different breakdowns like, you know, rounds one through three in the recap, rounds four through seven in the recap, and split it up. Let me know what you think on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. If you like, don't like the idea of doing that, or if you like it to be one big episode, I'm all ears. And while you're engaging, feel free to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. That's always appreciated. And uh, if you missed last Wednesday's episode, this past Wednesday, talking free agency, talking the signings, the transactions, the trades, the re-signings, all that good stuff, everything through free agency thus far. Tune into that one as well. That's it. That's all I got for you. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 